When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullion Haw Show. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune covering the Bears down in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. And we are talking about Caleb Williams because he met the NFL media on Friday morning. And Dan, I think that if Caleb Williams had hopes that he would be able to win the day, uh, I think that he could walk away from the podium feeling like he won the day. I felt like he was pretty impressive. You were there. I only watched and heard. What was your overall takeaway? Yeah, well, I'll set the scene for you because I left my hotel here in Indianapolis before sunrise to get over to the convention center, understanding that today was the day where you were going to get a whole handful of the top prospects in this draft, uh, finally meeting the media. And that's all the offensive skills players. It's the the quarterbacks, four of them, the receivers, three of them turned out to be two because Marvin Harrison Jr. did not do his interview session. But it was uh, really interesting to see the uh, assembled media gathering almost two hours before Caleb Williams took the stage there. And when he finally did get on the stage at nine o'clock local time, I thought he handled himself really well. His 13 minutes, um, you get a sense of his introspection. You get a sense of his competitive wiring. You get a sense of his ability to kind of handle the stage and have that stage presence. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, I think you walk away saying, yeah, there's something there. And I can understand why that would connect with the Chicago bears. I understand why that would connect with Ryan Pohl specifically. And now you just have to continue to do your homework. But I think that, um, him being able to lend his voice to some things that a lot of other people have been talking about him was an important part of the process. Before we get to some of the specifics about what he said and how he said it, how would you describe the audience in terms of, who was able to get questions in, how, how chaotic it was. I've been in those scrums and it can be uh, a mixture of, of chaos and uh, people with agendas. But today, this morning, Friday morning, how would you describe what was surrounding Caleb Williams as he spoke? Well, I, I, I mentioned that my arrival there was a little bit before 7 a.m. And already 
up at the foot of podium four uh, were a bunch of people from Chicago. Obviously, Bears reporters were lining up early to get their chance to ask questions of Caleb Williams. That was, uh, you know, Mark Grody and Nick Moriano and Jason Leeser and Greg Braggs. And all of a sudden, Pat, Patrick Finley. And you, you, you see the Chicago contingent kind of at the whole front of that session. Now, by the time Caleb spoke, it was probably 75, 80 deep with reporters gathered around him. You've been in that environment before, you know how much of a, a mob that can be. And Caleb comes up on the podium, David, I'm sure you've listened to it. And before he's able to say good morning, <laughs> there's a question shouted from like nine deep um, from someone that I've never met who, who basically asked him, are you a, a, afraid to compete here at the combine? And is that why you're skipping out on medical examinations and on field testing uh, and some of these other things related to the combine and i think multiple times in that first question he was asked if he was afraid and i had i told mark grody i said it almost felt like a plant of of some nfl team saying see if you can rattle them right out of the gate you know you're right. the conspiracy theorist and you go is, is is that what this is and i thought he handled that well i think he explained himself really well um moved on and then i thought the the conversation was kind of far ranging with the number of different things we got into with Caleb. And, and again, I think the, 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 I think, I think I counted 29 questions total. Uh, and I think 11 of them were bears related. So that tells you a little bit about where this is at right now. You mentioned Mark Grody. I think he asked the question pertaining to his height and <laughs> when it produced the answer about being similar in size and stature to Aaron Rodgers. when he answered that, Dan, when he Grody asked that, Caleb Williams re responded, which I think for a lot of people had a different interpretation of. I thought he was being somewhat facetious and like, oh, yeah, nobody's asked me uh, that before type of way. And he's like, nobody's ever asked me that before. Was he kidding around? How did you interpret his answer? Because he said he was either 6'1", 6'2", and, and he was also 215 and similar in size to Aaron Rodgers. So it didn't resonate with me in the moment, but I was alerted later that it had caused a little bit of a stir in certain pockets on whether he was uh, being sincere or not. You know, I've really listened to it and watched the video of it. And I think there was probably a, a small element of sarcasm to it. It just it wasn't something I fixated on because particularly after talking to all the people I've talked to in recent weeks about Caleb Williams, it's not a major concern for people inside the league. I think the people that have evaluated the tape see his size as something that that is there but like he has a way of compensating for it he's got a way of buying himself time of understanding the, the, the quarterback instincts that allow you to account for some of your limitations. Uh, we'll get the official measurements soon. We'll, we'll compare them to Aaron Rodgers' official measurements from <laughs> two decades ago, and we'll go on from there. But I, I certainly didn't didn't spend a lot of time thinking that he was openly trying to deceive the world or, uh, you know, doing anything nefarious to uh, to get away from that question. All right, let's get to the things that do matter. Actually, some of the answers that were more relevant and they pertain to begin with the Bears. You said there were 11 questions about the Bears. I think the answer about how he would feel if the Bears drafted him was interesting. So let's start with that. This is what Caleb Williams had to say about how it would feel playing for the Bears. I mean, the Bears are, was an eight and nine team last year, um, I believe. And uh, seven and seven to ten, sorry, and and um, you know that's that's pretty good for a team that has the first pick, um, and and they got a good defense, um, they got good players on offense, um, and and you know it's it's pretty exciting, you know, if you could go into a situation like that. Caleb uh, circled the Bears uh, in that game against Cleveland. He gave them credit for that win and said they were eight and nine, and uh, and then had to be reminded that it was uh, it was seven and ten. There were a couple that got away from them. 
I said on the radio, on the Mullen Haw show on Friday morning, that he basically was saying that the Bears should have won eight games. So he's already <laughs> second-guessing Flusi and blaming uh, him for not being eight and nine rather than seven and ten. But he does make a good point, Dan. We, you know, all week I've been talking about, whether it was on the morning show or on television, the comparisons to the most recent one, C.J. Stroud. And I've asked the question about what if, if Caleb Williams can do for the Bears what C.J. Stroud did for the Texans. And that comparison to me is pretty apt, but what he pointed out today was a good reminder. CJ Stroud was taking over a three and 14 football team. Yeah. Caleb Williams would not be, this is a team that is ascending that has the second half of last season to point to as progress. And you don't see a lot of seven and 10 football teams having the number one overall draft pick because that implies that they're closer than they might be. I think that he said that in a way that was, it sounded like a bullet point. It sounded like uh, something that it, his team reminded him to point out because his team had decided, well, that's a pro about Chicago and if the Bears pick you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly um, a, a allusion to the, the sturdy infrastructure that, that Ryan Poles keeps talking about, believing that they are in position uh, to, to provide him with defensive support, believing that they're in position to be more competitive, and then he's just got to come in and do his thing. It's going to be kind of fascinating to see how that involves. You mentioned CJ Stroud. I had a chance the other day and I can't remember this week's a blur if we talked about it previously, but I asked Amico Ryans as a defensive minded coach, how he went about setting up, uh, you know, a healthy springboard for a rookie quarterback. And he talked about the importance of, who's surrounding the quarterback. He talked about Bobby Slowick and Jared Johnson. He talked about Shane Day and Bill Lazor, by the way, Bill Lazor reference. He talked about Case Keenum as a, as a group of people around CJ that truly gave him places to go for information, to go for support, to go to ask questions. And I think that when we talk about this with the Bears infrastructure, that's the next step of this, right? You have the football team and your X's and O's in the depth chart, but now you've got to get that that connection piece put in with the people that are going to be all around your rookie quarterback, if it is Caleb Williams. And you got to make sure that clicks quickly because that seemed to be the catalyst to everything that Houston did a year ago. If the Bears do even half of the improvement that the Houston Texans did this last season, we're going to be here a year from now dreaming really big dreams. Well, I think it's pretty clear that Caleb Williams dreams pretty big dreams. And he's the guy whose confidence is obvious. And he's in command of the podium. And he did that this um, Friday morning. It hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I felt like it will maybe rub some people the wrong way. We talked about how 
in the Pete Thamel article, he, he wanted to be great. And he talked about football, football immortality. And he had maybe the audacity in the eyes of some people to, you know, look at Walter Payton and mention Michael Jordan and not to put himself in that company, but just talk about what's possible in Chicago if you are that good and people remember you that long. So in that context, he was pretty open on Friday morning in the Indy talking about wanting to make history. Whole lot of dominant quarterback play? No, no, not at all. Um, I don't compare myself to the other guys. Um, you know, that's there, been there. Um, I think I'm my own player, and um, you know, I, I I tend to like to, you know, create history and, and rewrite history. <laughs> well. That wouldn't be as difficult to do in Chicago, Dan, as it might be in other places like Green Bay or San Francisco. But you do like the ambition. Yeah, here's the pen, kid, right away. You know, like, like, let's please rewrite this history because it's been a frustrating history for a long time, particularly in the last, you know, 35 years. And so he's got an opportunity here. I, I have zero problem with being bold with the way you talk and with the way you set your bar only requirement is that you back it up with investment. You have to be willing to put in the work. You have to be um, self-aware enough to understand the demands that go to even thinking about approaching the levels that Caleb Williams wants to get to. And so that's just got, you know, all that, all that talk's got to be backed up by, by personal investment and time and hard work and all those things. If he's willing to do that, then talk all you want, you know, and then let's see what the results are. History regards Sid Luckman as the best quarterback ever for the Bears, and that was a long time ago. And yet his name did come up on Friday morning, Dan. I don't know if you saw this, but it's worth pointing out. <laughs> we have Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com as a regular Tuesday guest on the Mullion Haw Show. And all offseason long, even going back into like as the season was bleeding into the offseason, he was pretty consistent in that they the Bears should keep Justin Fields. They should trade the pick and build around Justin Fields. And on Friday morning, Caleb Williams was a guest for Chris Sims and Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk television. Shortly after that, Mike Florio posted this on Twitter, quote, we just spent 10 minutes with Caleb Williams. Condolences to the Vikings, Lions, and Packers. This guy is the real deal, and the Bears will have their first franchise quarterback since Sid Luckman. I don't think he was being facetious. I do think that he was being sincere. It does seem like he was impressed. What did you make of that? And that was just uh, one example of how impressive to Caleb Williams was to some people today. Well, you know me and Mike Florio always see eye to eye on everything. <laughs> We're right in line with each other on most topics. Um, what I would say, if you know Mike well enough, as you obviously do talking to him regularly, he likes – players who like to challenge a system that that doesn't put players in advantageous situations and sees the NFL as a, a, a prime ground to challenge convention. And, and Caleb's obviously willing to do that. You know, his decision to not submit to medical testing here is unique. His, his um, push to kind of try to get the, the players association and the league to re-examine how quarter our contracts are done is something that's at the forefront. So I think out of the gates, Mike Florio had a, a, a player on his stage that that agrees with trying to challenge some of these things that said i think there is a lot to like about who caleb williams is as a as a kid certainly a lot to like about who he is as a player um and you're going to get those sentiments popping up now you know as well as i do there's going to be pushback and there's going to be other people that go oh this guy's you know the next bust waiting to happen um i think this is a a guy that that as i prepare to leave indy and point the car north um just feels like the guy you have to take 
you know, and he's, he's going to be picked number one overall. He said that himself today. And if the Chicago bears don't do it, I think most of the league is going to be shocked. So we'll get into some of the other things that he got into, but there were certain questions he had to address. And I think number one might've been why he chose not to, uh, under go partake in the medical testing, which is what the original intent of the NFL combine in Indianapolis was for and why it was in Indianapolis. What did you make of the way that Caleb Williams answered that question about wanting to submit to medical testing for the teams that he visits because those are the teams likely to draft him, but he did not want to submit to uh, testing that would be available to all 32 teams. Maybe that was to protect his medical privacy. Maybe it's because it's part of this whole uh, grander plan to to be different and control his own agenda. Maybe it's a combination of both. I, it, it, I would guess it's a combination of both, and I'm a little conflicted on it because, as we talked about in our last podcast, I, I just don't want the quest to be different to be the thing that drives Caleb Williams all the time. You know, I want this quest to be right. great, to be the thing that drives him all the time. And so I, I, I just worry if you have too many of these things that you're challenging and pushing back on and trying to make a stance and trying to be, um, you know, the pioneer or the trailblazer in certain regards, that it's going to take away from your fuel tank to do what your ultimate goal is, which is to become the next Michael Jordan or Walter Payton or Sid Luckman, <laughs> you know? And so, um, yeah, I'm a little bit conflicted in that regard because I think he's got the right intentions. I think in this specific regard, it's fine. He's going to go do the testing at whatever uh, organizations he goes to visit. I just don't, again, don't want that that quest to, to be different, to be the thing that, that we're always talking about with Caleb Williams. What answer did he provide, if any, Dan, that made you uncomfortable, if, it, if that's the right word, or just made you uneasy about the way, either the way he answered it or um, what he said? Yeah, I don't know that I have one. Um, I have to go back through it and, and see, but I, and there's nothing that jumps off the top of my head of, of a moment where I was like, ooh, didn't, didn't love that. I know there were some in the assembled media that felt there was a um, – level of self-assurance that that one reporter described as you know borderline arrogance i didn't pick up on that i think that there's a a, a self-confidence there that's very real uh, i think the great ones have those types of things we'll see how he's able to channel those things i you know i thought obviously the discussion about his display of emotions crying with his mom after the loss to washington was was the the question that was uh, gonna come up today and what, what was interested to hear how he answered that and when, when you get into those topics suddenly you start to get a little bit of meat and potatoes ab about the personality and the dna that we've been talking about for a while without actually hearing from caleb ourselves that was one of the more compelling answers about showing emotion everyone has seen the, the image of him with his mom at the game against utah i believe or uh when he i think it was after washington game. i'm sorry after washington game when he was being consoled and he went into the stands and there was his mom he of course was asked about that and talked about just showing emotion in general and this is what he had to say there's not many people in the world to get the experience what i experience every every game day every practice day um you know so it kind of goes back to um you know it kind of it always kind of goes back to that for me it's you know it's something that i only get to experience um it's something that i really care about um which is not only winning the game but you know doing it with my teammates and so every time we lose i feel like i let my teammates down hmm so not a full explanation about what makes him so emotional but it did invoke his teammates which again seemed like it was as often as he mentioned it 
a talking point that was stressed to him to make sure that everyone understood that he was about his teammates first, winning, you know, winning his teammates, the kinds of things that make you a popular leader. Right. No question. I think that was certainly something that was on the forefront of his mind and, and comes across well. You know, I think, um, you know, from the emotional standpoint that the passion tank is overflowing, you know, and, and, and that is a plus until it's a minus. And so you're going to have to figure out how to work with that, you know, and you're gonna have to figure out how to work with that at the next level, where as Caleb will quick, fi- quickly find out every single thing he says and does is going to have a, a headline attached to it going forward. And you just be, uh, better be prepared for that existence because people are going to ask these questions every single week that you're a quarterback in the NFL and they're going to examine your body language and your outwards displays of emotion every single week that you're in the NFL. And so you just have to, to, to find the right way to take um, what is something that is, is, is a huge part of who you are and push it in the right direction. I always tell the story of uh, talking to people that knew Percy Harvin before he got into college. And, and there, there was, I think it was his high school track coach who said, what makes you tick sometimes can make you talk. And I always love that expression because it is like sometimes your greatest strength can also become something that, that gets you into trouble. Um, and you just have to have a, a, a way of balancing that. Particularly if it is with the Bears and he comes to a team that will be playing its first game in uh, three years without Justin Fields. And he was a very popular teammate to the point where guys like DJ Moore have you know, publicly endorsed him, even if it seems inevitable and imminent that he's going to be traded. So I think that's a really good point and way to put it. Your strength can't be your biggest weakness. And in Caleb Williams' case, that means – when you come into the Bears locker room, you have to strike a balance between that confidence that allows you to not be phased by the moment being a rookie starter on a team that has playoff aspirations. But you can't also you can't assume that you've already arrived. And, and that's a difficult balance for a lot of kids who are still kids at 22, young men, professional athletes. Yes, but emotional emotional maturity is much different. So. I, I can see why people might come out of that today. I'm not being critical of just being honest and then wonder if he can do that. Does he have the humility that's also necessary to be a good leader? Circling back on what you asked uh, about the, uh, maybe a question that, that threw me for a loop or a little bit, I would say that when, when he kind of offered up the idea that he doesn't talk a lot and doesn't do a lot of things that he doesn't see as useful right like he was sort of referencing having the the story from espn's pete thamel that came out earlier in the week as a stage setter for what was going to happen this morning at the combine as as something that was you know by his own admission was was calculated and sort of uh forward thinking in that regard that was probably the one where i i stopped myself for about four or five seconds and said you better understand what chicago is and what chicago bears football is and that it's not going to be all up to you on when you do things and why you do things, right? Like you're going to have to play the NFL game a little bit. And if you don't, you know, there's, there's going to be backlash to that in ways that, that you'll have to get ready to deal with. Um, so that, you know, I mean, look, starting quarterbacks are obligated by league rules to talk every Wednesday and they're obligated to talk after every game is Caleb Williams going to choose to be different in that regard and push back on that part of the system. And if so, you're the host of a morning sports talk radio show. I think your phone lines are going to light up if that's the case. Well, they will. And I would tell everyone the same thing. I think it's a really good point, but if you're successful in a market like Chicago, then we all have been through experiences. I don't want to say, I don't want to say we all have been, I have seen examples where if you are good enough and achieve a certain level of success in a sports mad town like 
Chicago is. You can manipulate the process. You can manage perception if you do it consistently well and if you do it in a way that doesn't seem um, inconsistent with the rest of what's going on. You can't lose and fail and do that. If you win or are successful, you're going to have a lot of people that don't mind your manipulation. And I think that's what it is. And we saw, I, I think that's an interesting uh, admission there, Dan, because I, I thought the same thing is like, okay, you strategically or your team strategically targeted Wednesday at eight o'clock, nine o'clock a.m. Eastern time to drop the story with ESPN.com. You strategically agreed to talk to Pete Thamel, a reporter with whom he is very comfortable. And there was a degree of, of manipulation to that whole process. And I don't know that it bothered me as much as I thought it would, because this is somebody that is definitely, um, definitely potentially in a position where he, he does have, he does have the capability of playing well enough to where he will have the rules be different for him. Well, I'll just say this. Mitch Trubisky asked for the TVs to be turned off at Hallis Hall, and it was a story for nine days. Uh, Justin Fields used the word coaching, and you know it, it exploded immediately. Those types of things become part of your existence. They right. can become part of your existence in a way that becomes exhausting to you as a, as a player and a person. And the last thing you want with your franchise quarterback is for him to be exhausted from things that were self-created, you know? And so I guess it's probably a reminder to the people at Alice hall that you better also have your team assembled to not be budged out of the way at every turn by his team. You know what? There's, there's going right. to have to be a whole lot of merging of teams here for this to be a productive experience. There's, there's a heavy lift to that. And, and you can there, run from it and you can ignore it or you, you can put it together and, and go from it. And they, they've got to decide how to do that. Derek Rose was enigmatic and he was allowed to be when he was the MVP and, and leading the Bulls to Eastern Conference Finals and, and, and making them an NBA title contender. Sammy Sosa wasn't here for all of that, but the end of it, and he was definitely a guy who lived life on his terms, media life on his terms, and he got away with it. Why? Well, 66 home runs will help you do what you want to do. Frank Thomas over the years was the same type of thing. There are examples. I could tell you hockey examples with Patrick Kane and to lesser degree, Jonathan Taze, when you reach a certain level of celebrity or you have, have achieved a certain level of success in Chicago, Boston, Philly, or whatever, and you're a professional athlete, you can dictate the terms of how you manage that perception and what you allow to come in and what you want to put out. So this is a good example today, Friday, that Caleb Williams might fall into that category one day, not too far in the distant, in the future. And if he's good enough, though, if he's throwing, if he if he beats the Packers with three touchdowns and three hundred yards passing, and it's at Lambeau Field, okay, you talk when you want to talk, Caleb. We'll listen. <laughs> I, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And I would just, I would say, you look like just tie a bow on this part of the the conversation. I I think you know it's a, um, a challenge, right, of trying to figure out how much of this right. is pre prepackaged and how much is genuine. Um, and and that, that's up to every every team and everybody that encounters Caleb to to, to try to solve that mystery and, and figure out what it is. The last part of the uh, press conference that I think is worth playing or, or revisiting is what he had to say about meeting with the Bears. We don't know if he played putt-putt or darts, unless you do, Dan. I don't know. Did he paint his fingernails? Were they painted this morning? I don't know if that if he was or wasn't. But we do know that he enjoyed his visit with the Bears. I think he called it awesome. 
And he met with Ryan Poles and met Eberflus, and, and uh, he sounded like this, recalling that. They were awesome. Um, I spoke to I spoke more about ball and things like that, um, just because the interviews are so short. Um, so it was, it was more about them getting to know me, uh, getting to getting to test my mental, what I know, uh, the base, you know, the base things of, of of what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. Speed dating, and it worked. No he doubt. liked them. <laughs> so, any yeah. other insight into his meaning with the Bears? Look, other than what I shared on the last episode that I felt like there was an instant connection, I think it's just worth reiterating and emphasizing that this is just the the this, this, this icebreaker and the stage setter for what's to come. Um, and you have to imagine that there's going to be several lengthy encounters here in the next six weeks um, that will that will teach each other, you know, each side about each other in a way that that will be meaningful. Um, again, I thought it was, you know, neat to hear Caleb at the outset talk about some of the things that appeal to him about the Bears. Now he's got to go through a much more. Uh, intimate process with them to try to, to to forge those connections and and feel like he's set up for success because I think when we talk about a guy that does seemingly have calculated goals right like part of that is is making sure that you are set up for success and I think that's been a lot of the conversation uh, that's followed Caleb from his days as a high school player in in Washington DC with his college recruitment and his transfer and everything up to now you just want to put yourself in the best possible position to get yourself to maximize what you have to give. I was impressed. I really liked everything that I heard. Uh, I know that I'm having to tap the brakes. As Greg Cosell warned us on the Mullen Haw show Friday morning after watching tape. He's like, all right, maybe not generational talent. All right. You might want to be careful. I think guys who watch tape as long as Greg Cosell has, you respect their point of view and opinion and they don't get carried away often at all. I mean, we're in a different situation. I'm in a different situation. So I'm still not necessarily um, getting my brakes checked. I'm not worried if they're a little bit uh, uh, faulty because I'm, I'm fine going at the speed. It's easy to get excited about Caleb Williams, I think. You watch the tape, you hear him talk, and there's a lot to like there, Dan. And, and I think that uh, I don't really care if he doesn't throw at the combine. Um, no, the combine. I mean, yeah, and he 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 hit that one pretty much head on. And said, "I've got thirty plus games of college tape. If you want to see how I compete and how I throw a football, you know, get back up in your room and pull up the video." That I'm a hundred percent in agreement with him there. There's nothing for him to to show in that setting. Um, but he'll, he'll, I'm, I'm assuming he'll throw it his pro day, March twentieth yeah. is the schedule right. on that. Um, and you know me, David, I'm <laughs> I'm at the auto body shop monthly in this regard, checking my brakes because I like them to be really firm in case we have to hit them. Uh, Absolutely. On the <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I think that's fair. And, and you know, you all you do, you, you reserve. There's there's a lot of time left. I mean, we're sitting here on March 1st. The draft is at the end of April. We reserve the right to change our mind based on new evidence that's presented to the court of public opinion. That's that's fair and always the case. But on this day, it's easy for me to say that there were certain things that you needed to hear from Caleb Williams and there are certain boxes he checked. The one thing right. that I think does kind of overarching thing that maybe I didn't hear and I still have a degree concern is too strong, but curiosity. I still want to know how large of a role and I guess what it means for his father to be as involved as he will be. Does that mean contract negotiation? Does that mean um, wants input and and being notified about game plans? Does he? Does that mean you're going to be hearing from Carl um, Williams every Monday or Tuesday on his chosen 
a handpicked media outlet. I, right. I don't know, and that would concern me if I'm the Bears because that's the one thing that I haven't been able to fully grasp from the public information and the public domain. But of all the things about Caleb Williams right now, because his dad plays such a large role in his life, that can be a great thing. But I want it to be a great thing, and it needs to stay that way for me to feel like it's fully not going to be a problem. How much does the Pat McAfee show have to offer him to be the uh, chosen uh, mouthpiece of <laughs> of where they go? You know, because whatever whatever the chosen media outlet is that that he will link up with will have to pay a pretty price based yep. on everything I've been told about some of the motivations behind the scenes. And I walked out of that convention center this morning uh, thinking about Caleb Williams that uh, like his DNA appeals to me. Now, if you're the Bears and you're Ryan Poles, you have to figure out how to manage everything that's around him, you know, and that seems to be the next step in this process. You you, you can fall in love with the kid and then you say, okay, like, how do we make sure that we have the rest of the the, the uh, equation managed properly in a way where, where we can do it gracefully and successfully? And th- that seems to be where I'm at uh, walking out of here this week with, with, with that in mind. I also think that probably, David, the, the one answer to me that I enjoyed the most was, you know, he, he had told the LA times at the end of last season that uh, he was going to reflect on the 2023 season as one of the most important in his football life. And and I kind of followed up on that today. And I thought he was pretty introspective and self-aware of saying like, look, it was an opportunity for me in my life to um, understand how to handle losing and to try to get my brain around the feelings and the energy I was feeling. He used those words, the feeling and the energy and that, that Lincoln Riley sat him down for a meeting, I think in late October and just kind of set him straight and, and pushed him in the right direction. And so I, I do think that that was, um, you know, a a mature approach to a a year that obviously tested him in ways he had never been tested in his football life before you come off a Heisman trophy winning season at USC life feels grand. And it's a whole different scenario at the end of an eight and five year when uh, you didn't play as well as, as you thought you would and, and all of a sudden the, the arrows of criticism start coming at you so this has been a special bonus caleb williams episode this week the third pod that we have dropped because of the nfl combine anything else happened today <laughs> dan worth mentioning anything else that we didn't cover so yeah, real quick. Uh, uh, first of all, if you want more on on Caleb Williams, my colleague Colleen Kane wrote a great recap of this morning's session at ChicagoTribune.com. I spent my day writing a little bit of a, a, a scene-setting piece about the two hours near podium four this morning, which not only included Caleb Williams as the headliner, but we heard from Drake May, we heard from Jaden Daniels, we heard from Malik Neighbors, uh, Roman Dunze spoke to. Uh, podiums over and it was a pretty entertaining morning uh, for those guys that will hear their names called in the first two hours of of the first night of the draft next month my favorite moment david of the day you know you get some zany questions in these environments you know those are they're coming out and people are getting asked if they think birds are real this and that somebody asked from adunze from washington if he was capable of landing a plane in case of an emergency, if he could get up in the cockpit and, and land the plane safely and without missing a beat, Roman Dunze said, absolutely not. We are going down. All souls have perished. <laughs> and I just thought <laughs> it was just a really, really good moment. I, I tweeted after that, after listening to the entirety of Roman Dunze talk that uh, if he's still on the board at number nine, uh, he will one day be 
the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award winner at Hallis Hall for his involvement with the media because he's very uh, composed and into it, you know, and, and, and you know me, I like the guys that are into it. Roman Dunze certainly seems to be into it. That's good. And you got to know your limitations, right? It's a good guy. That you have <laughs> yeah, to know right, right. Exactly what you're not going to be able to do. And if he can't fly a plane, he's not going to pretend or try. So he's not going to be something he's not. I think there's a lot to read into that answer. That's pretty funny. That's great. Anything else uh, about the week that you want to mention before we go? Exhausting week, as always, but it's always a productive week as well. It's a, an unbelievable environment down here. First of all, uh, the city of Indianapolis deserves a round of applause every year for the way that they uh, handle this week. Checked a lot of boxes as usual, and you come down here with three or four main ones that you want to get to, and and it just 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 fun, uh, particularly this year as we've talked about all week. The Bears are in the center of everything, and you know honestly, David, I think the last thing that I'll say as we get out of here is that I just have this feeling, and this will be for people that have taken shots at me over the years that April twenty fifth is going to go down as a direction changing night, perhaps forever for the Chicago bears because they're sitting on this golden opportunity with two picks in the top 10 in a class that has things that they want, including a franchise quarterback. And we're just there. We're on, we're on the runway, not to, not to go back to the plane analogy after talking about road, but that's a, we're, we're on the runway of something that could be spectacular, you know, uh, one way or another, but I, it does feel like if you're Ryan Poles, you have to feel pretty excited about what's ahead of you. It's a great way to end it, and it's a great feeling to have, and well put. And he did a terrific job all week at Indy. So for Adam Sudzinski, our producer, Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune, I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. You can get it on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, and you can watch us on 670 The Score's YouTube page. We'll see you next week. Great talk. See you out there.